So while the nationwide socio-economic strike kicks off today, over 500 organizations and academics around the world are calling on the IMF to stop promoting austerity in the coronavirus recovery period. The organizations are concerned that policies based on austerity will further entrench uh, and in fact entrench gender and economic inequality and undermine any chance of an inclusive recovery, especially as many countries in the global south are expected to need more long-term financing in the near future. Now, Section 7 is one of the signatories of that statement. Uh, let's speak to them now. Uh, Daniel McLaren is the budget analyst at Section 27. Daniel, good morning to you. Thank you so much for your time. So the IMF wants countries to return to austerity once the current COVID-19 crisis recedes. What concerns do you have about that? What are the possible consequences? Yes, thanks, Dylan. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, that's right. So as your listeners know, we um, are one of the countries who have reached out to the IMF this year um, for a loan to cover some of the difference between um, the, the revenue shortfalls caused by the lockdown and the extra spending needs that COVID causes. Um, and many, many countries have done this um, because COVID has affected many, many countries and many countries are experiencing similar debt, um, rising debt levels because of this this um, key issue of having to spend more but getting less money in taxes. Mm. Um, and but we, we've done that knowing that the IMF itself has a very, is a very problematic institution. Um, it's a product of very unequal power relations. For example, the American government has a veto on IMF policies. And so the IMF has always imposed a, a particular agenda on countries which have borrowed money from it, which essentially can be boiled down um, as a neoliberal agenda, which basically requires governments to cut their spending, yeah. so implement austerity, um, often to privatize their assets um, in order to raise money to pay back debt, mm-hmm. and also being very, very open to foreign money and foreign money flows into the country. Mm. Um, so historically, that's had a huge impact on developing countries, um, including on our continent. And what we've seen in the last decade is some kind of policy contestation at the IMF where its chief economist and many of its researchers have recognized that this approach of um, lending to countries and then imposing these very harsh austerity measures doesn't actually Mm -hmm. work. Um, It does increase inequality because poor people, working class people who benefit from public services lose out the Mm -hmm. most. Um, And it also isn't good for growth. Because when inequality rises, when unemployment rises, it takes longer for economies to recover. Yeah, Daniel, So, I'm, yeah, the, the IMF may argue that the countries that approach the lending institution are already in financial crisis mode and terrible at managing their finances and often they don't have the ability to pay back the money. So to be on the safe side, the IMF may argue we impose the conditions so that we can guarantee the money will be paid back. Yeah, look, there's many reasons why a country may approach the IMF. And um, the IMF exists um, to to create international financial stability, monetary stability, and because it's in everyone's interest that countries don't have debt crises and fiscal crises, that all countries have, um, you know, enough fiscal space to invest in their economies, to grow their economies, etc. But there's many, many reasons why countries will go to the IMF. However, at the moment... There's a very similar reason, which mm. is the COVID-19 shock. And so it's a quite different um, situation to what we've seen in the past. 
where a country, let's say Zimbabwe in the 1990s, was having a whole range of issues which required it to go to the IMF. Mm. Um, countries all over the world are not in that position now. Some of them have gone into this with um, economic growth problems and debt problems, and we have our own issues. Um, but what's happened in the last year is COVID-19. So what this letter from 500 organizations and academics is saying is, um, given the shock of COVID-19, which has affected us all, it's not fair to be imposing these austere um, and privatization agenda um, policies on countries now. This shouldn't be seen as a kind of a moment to spread a neoliberal economic agenda um, that the United States would like countries to adopt and the European countries which have the strongest say in the IMF. Rather, this should be a moment where there's more debt forgiveness, there's more emphasis on creating fiscal space in countries by working with countries in a more constructive way so that countries can actually invest in their health systems, can do spending in the economy to protect jobs and businesses. And in the medium run, and it's the same, same here in South Africa, in the, in the three to five year range, we need a plan to grow the economy so that our debt levels can mm. naturally reduce, mm. not mm. Um, to cut spending now, which will actually have long-term impacts on the quality of our public services, such as health and education, um, which in the long run will actually cost us more mm. to kind of get back what we've lost by making those cuts. Yeah, and and just as a matter of clarity, Daniel, the the IMF conditioned austerity. That's that's for future loans, right? Because my understanding is a commitment was made by the lender that there would uh, not be conditionalities attached to the loans required to respond to the COVID nineteen pandemic. That's right. So there is a special um, drawing rights which are which are being given to countries for COVID nineteen. Um, and it's not the strict loan conditions which have been implemented in the past. That's correct. And we've got um, one of those loans. However, the reason for this letter is because with so many countries reaching out to the IMF, the IMF does um, become much more powerful in this moment. It does um, have a lot of power in setting an economic agenda for the global economy, for countries which have come to it. And there's, of course, a risk which countries who may struggle to pay back that debt or pay back other debt, then find themselves getting into the situation where they have to access other kind of loans with conditions. Mm. So what we're trying to do now is to try and shape the agenda um, ahead of the IMF meetings next week where these kind of policy decisions are going to be taken mm. to say that we need to deal with this pandemic not by imposing austerity in the next couple of years or as soon as there's a vaccine, okay. um, but actually having a kind of three- to five-year plan for getting the economies going, getting unemployment back um, to decent levels, and then we can start talking about economic growth, which reduces debt, not cutting spending now to reduce debt. All right, Daniel, thank you so much. And, yeah, the countries also have some work to do as well um, in in stabilizing their finances. Daniel McLaren, I really appreciate your time uh, this morning. He's the budget analyst at Section 27.